Well, good morning, everybody. How you doing today? Nice. You look good. Are you sure you're good? Nice. You look good this morning. Thanks so much for being in church. We're thrilled that you're here today. It's a new day. It's a good opportunity to give God praise, to be in the house of God with his people. And we're glad that you're here today. We want to take a moment and welcome everybody that might be a guest today at the bridge. This is something that we love to do in every one of our services. If you are new or newer to the church, thank you so much for being here this morning. Thank you for spending Sunday morning with us. Thank you for being in God's house. We value the presence of God, but we also value your presence this morning. Thank you for choosing to be here today. I just want to give you a personal welcome. My name is Zach. I'm one of the pastors here at the church. And I just want to let you know, if you are new, if you're looking to get connected or plugged in here at the bridge, or you're looking for a home church, or checking churches out, we would love to meet you this morning. Can I just give you a personal invitation? Stop by the info center before you go today. We have a great team that serves there. They would love to answer any questions you might have to tell you more about the church, let you know about the things that are coming up in church life. Again, we're so thrilled that you're here this morning. It means a lot to us that you are here today. So thank you for being here this morning. Can we just put our hands together this morning and welcome all of our guests to church today? Awesome. We're going to jump into the word here in just a moment, but I just want to tell you about a couple things that are coming up this week. Hey, men, this Tuesday night is the season premiere of Bridge Men at 6.30 right here at the church. We're excited about this term. We've got some fresh things that we're going to be doing this term, and we're really, really excited about it. So whether you've been a part of it in the past, you've never been to Bridge Men, or you're looking to just get plugged in with a greater circle of guys, men, you are invited to be here Tuesday night at 6.30. Next Sunday is our 35th anniversary celebration here at the bridge. We want to invite everybody to be here. Mark that day on your calendar. It's going to be a very, very special day. Invite your friends. We would just love to celebrate with you, your family, your friends. It's going to be an awesome, awesome day. If you got your Bible this morning, would you meet me in 2 Corinthians chapter 5? 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This week we're continuing a series that we started a couple weeks ago. Pastor Gary started this series two Sundays ago, and it's just simply called House Rules. And what we're talking about is the values, the six things that we value here at the bridge. Now, obviously, we can make a much longer list of things that we value, but as a church, these are things that we would maybe more accurately call the distinctives of the bridge, the things that we value that might make us a little bit different from other churches. You know, every church has a specific vision, a local vision that helps to accomplish the great vision that God has given us, the Great Commission, together. And each church might do it a little bit differently, but we want to walk through these six things over the course of six messages to talk about the house rules and the values of the Bridge Church. If you are new to the church and you've been to Connecting Point, or maybe you've been to Connecting Point at some time in the past, you'll be familiar with these things because we always talk about these things at Connecting Point. And that reminds me, last week we had Connecting Point, last Sunday morning we had even more people come and make a decision to make the Bridge their home church. And like every single month that we do that, it is an amazing honor for us to get, for us to, get to host you. So thank you so much, all of our new partners who are here this morning. We're so grateful for your presence and your participation here at the bridge. But at Connecting Point, we always talk about the six, the th- six things that we value, the distinctives of the bridge. And the reason that we share these with you is not because we as a pastoral s- staff or as a team or as an entity or an organization want you, the church members, to know more about us. That's not why we do it. We do it because when God gives the church a vision and all of us are planted in that church, We have to get on the same page so that together, collectively, we can accomplish the vision that God has given us. And so when we talk about these things, I want you to just take ownership of these. Just embrace them, make them your own, and understand that if God has called you, if he has called you to come and put roots down here at the Bridge Church, let's do this together. 
Let's go for it. Let's pursue the vision that God has given us so that we can be the very best church that we can possibly be. Can somebody say amen to that this morning? Awesome. Well, this morning we're going to talk about the third thing that we value here at the bridge. We value, if you're taking notes, we value people. We value people, so therefore we are an outwardly focused church. Let me say that one more time. We value people, so therefore we are an outwardly focused church. What does it mean to be an outwardly focused church? I want to talk about that. I want to unpack it a little bit today, but if I could just summarize it very quickly for you, I would say this. Sundays are not just intended to be these holy huddles where Christians get together and we get inspired and we get encouraged, but then we walk away and do nothing with it. That's not what Sunday is for. I love coming to church on Sunday morning and being inspired. I love coming to to church on Sunday morning and being encouraged. In fact, I love it when I walk into this house and the message and the presence of God challenges me to be a better person, to be a better Christian. I love it when that happens. But here's the thing. If I leave it here and I don't take it with me and I don't do anything with it, then what happened on Sunday might not mean anything in my life. Because God is calling us as the church to not just take what happens on Sunday and leave it there. No, if we are the church, if we are the church, we the people of God are the church, then we're not just the church on Sunday. We're the church on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Did everybody hear that? If we as Christians are the church, then we're not just the church today. We're the church throughout the rest of the week also. So God has not just called us to go to church. God has called us to be the church. And everything that we do on Sunday mornings here at the bridge, we want to give glory and honor and praise to God. But can I tell you something? We also want to pursue the ones, the ones who are lost, the ones who have not yet come into a relationship with Jesus, the ones who do not yet believe. We want to pursue them because we believe that people are the most important thing to the heart of God. I'll say it to you this morning. You are the most important thing to the heart of God. If you're here this morning and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, let me say it very clearly to you specifically. You are the most important thing to the heart of God, that you would come into relationship with him. Now, I want to unpack this a little bit for you this morning so that we as a church can all get on the same page. You know, the vision of our church, connecting people with God, connecting people with people, that all comes out of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And every time you come onto this property, when you see the banners out front, when you see the graphics on screens that says connecting with God and connecting with people, that all flows out of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I want to start my message today by reading this passage of scripture. It says in verse 18, now all things are of God who has reconciled us. Everybody say us. He has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us, everybody say us, He has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us, everybody say us, he's committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, finally, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us, everybody say us, as though God were pleading through us, we All of us, we implore you, everybody that is not in relationship with Jesus, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Now, if you've ever heard Pastor Gary preach from this passage of Scripture, he likes to say that this is kind of like Paul's take, the Apostle Paul, his take on the Great Commission. We'll talk about the Great Commission here in just a few moments, but let's spend a couple of minutes here. I want to look at the significance of this passage of Scripture. This is where we get the vision of our church, connecting people with God, connecting people with people from. It says in verse 18 that we, you and I, have been given, 
or excuse me, that we have been reconciled to God by Christ. What does that mean? It means that all of us, we are born into this world of a sinful nature. It was because of the sin that entered the picture at the beginning of time, at creation, through Adam and Eve, that you and I are born with a sinful nature. So it's a sinful world, a sinful existence that we are born into. And it's that sin which separates us from God. For most of us, it takes us a long time to ever recognize that we are sinful people. A lot of you might have recognized that at some point early on in life. Maybe it was in middle age. Maybe for many of you, it would have been later on in life. But we are born of a sinful condition. It's that sin that has separated us from God. Now, if you're a Christian, you know that and you understand it. So if you're a Christian this morning, how many people would join me and say, thank you, God, that you sent Jesus to the cross for my sin? Is there anybody that's grateful for that this morning? We've been reconciled to God by Christ. Another way of saying it was that Jesus was the bridge between heaven and earth. Jesus was sent by God to cross the great divide to offer salvation and atonement for our sin. That if we would cross that bridge of of sacrifice and atonement that Jesus offered of salvation, we could walk into a relationship with God, or in other words, be reconciled to God. That's what the Apostle Paul is talking about here in verse 18. He goes on in verse 19 and it says that God has given us, those of us who have been reconciled, he's given us the word or the message of reconciliation. Do you know what that means? That means that now that I, now that you, now that we have been reconciled to God, do you know whose responsibility is to take that same message of reconciliation into the world? It's ours. I'm sorry to put that weight on you. I'm sorry to put that burden on you. I'm sorry if that disrupts your plan a little bit, but guess what? If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, your responsibility is not just to follow God for yourself, it's also to take that word and that message into the world in which you live. And now that you know, what are you going to do? Now that I know, I'm responsible for what I know. God has given us, you and me, the message, the word, the ministry of reconciliation. Listen, it's not up to us as Christians to solve all the world's problems. It's not up to us to solve all of people's problems. It's not up to us to tell everybody what their purpose in life is. It's up to us to bring the message or the word of reconciliation so that when we lay down our lives and we become the bridge so that other people can find that same reconciliation, then God will work out all those details in their life. It's not your responsibility to change somebody's life by yourself. It's your responsibility and my responsibility simply to bring the word of reconciliation. If God has given it to us and it's been good for us, then why wouldn't we want to share that with the world around us? That's essentially what the Apostle Paul is saying here. Now, let's read on. It says in verse 20 that we are now, those of us who have been reconciled, we are Christ's ambassadors. We are Christ's ambassadors. Isn't it interesting that that word ambassadors is used there? Because it's like a a, a dignitary or a diplomatic kind of term, a government official, almost a political kind of term. We're not going to get political this morning, but the picture that we see here is that an ambassador is somebody who lives in another nation, but their home is the nation from which they came, and they've been sent there as a representative of their home nation. I want to say this, and we've preached this many times here at the bridge, but it's worth reiterating this morning. If you are in Christ and you have been reconciled to God through Jesus, you are an ambassador of the kingdom of God on earth. You live here temporarily because you've been sent from your homeland, which is heaven, the place that you have come from. Can I tell you something? We are here for we don't know how long. But what we've been sent here to do is accomplish the kingdom purpose and the kingdom message. We are ambassadors, representatives of our homeland. Heaven is home. This place is just temporary. 
And a lot of time we put so much stock in what happens in this life that we lose the eternal perspective and get caught up in what's going on in the world in which we live. Guess what? We're not going to be here forever. We're ambassadors. We are representatives of the kingdom from which we have come, the kingdom of God. And while we are here, we have been given the word and the message and the ministry of reconciliation that we would lay down our lives and be the bridge so that other people can have the same experience we did and come into a relationship with Jesus. Does everybody understand that this morning? That's what God has called us to do. That's what the vision and the heart of this passage of scripture and how we walk it out here at the Bridge Church. It goes on and also says in verse 20, we implore you on Christ's behalf. We speak this message on behalf of Christ and the kingdom of God. Be reconciled to God. If there's anybody here this morning that has never made a decision to follow Jesus, can I just say this boldly on behalf of everybody that has? Please, be reconciled to God, because life on earth is short, but eternity is very, very, very long. It will have no end. And the decisions that we make on this earth will lead us into our eternal destination. We implore you, we plead with you, be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. That's why we're here today. Be reconciled to God. The message here is clear. God has entrusted us Christians, followers of Christ, with his message of reconciliation to the world that we live in. I want to just tell the story really quickly. I shared this a few months ago as an example, and the story's really stuck with me. I don't know how many of you know who John Maxwell is. He's a Christian author and really just one of the greatest leadership teachers in the world. John Maxwell tells this great story of having an opportunity to have lunch with a man named Fred Smith. I know that sounds like a really common name, but he was an extraordinary guy. He actually started FedEx. He was the founder of the FedEx company, and he was a great Christian man. And they were having lunch one day and having conversations about their faith and leadership and church. And Fred Smith looked at John Maxwell, and he said these words. He said, do you know what disappoints me most about the church today? He said, the people of God have become the consumers of the product rather than the distributors of the product. Can I tell you something? When we become only consumers of the message rather than the distributors of the message, perhaps we have missed the point. Because when I'm only a consumer of the message, of the good news, of that reconciliation, of that saving power of Jesus Christ and not a distributor of it, that's when my life becomes inwardly focused. That's when I come to church on Sunday and I'm only in it for what I get out of it rather than what I can contribute to the greater good, which is the kingdom of God being established in this earth. We can't settle for being inwardly focused where our Christianity is all about us. We have to remember we were not put on this earth to simply be the consumers of the product. We are the distributors of the message. If we have experienced reconciliation to God, then we need to lay our lives down as, lives down as a bridge so that others can experience that same reconciliation. Can somebody say amen to that this morning? That's what we are called to do with our lives. Now, let's keep going this morning. I want to look at another passage of Scripture. I told you that that passage was the Apostle Paul's take on the Great Commission. Well, let's actually look at the Great Commission, okay? One place where it's found, I think we see it in two or three places, is Matthew chapter 28, okay? Now, at this point, Jesus' earthly ministry in his flesh is about to come to an end. He's about to descend into heaven to be seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us. But he's giving last-minute instructions to the disciples before he goes. And that's where we see the Great Commission come out in the ministry of Jesus. This is what it says in Matthew 28 and verse 19. Jesus says, therefore, go. Everybody say go. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now, I think this part's important, too, in verse 20, and I'll tell you why. 
It says, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. One of the reasons why I love not just verse 19, but I love verse 20, is because it goes on and it says, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. I think that's one of the greatest endorsement lines of the church of Jesus Christ, especially in America today. Because a lot of people want to throw out our past. A lot of people want to throw out the church history of America and say, well, we don't need to be meeting in buildings. We just can do it in houses. That's fine. But can I just tell you something? I think it's amazing that still this day, today in America, we have the freedom to openly worship God. And people can point to churches and say, that's a place where I can go and be taught to obey the commandments of Christ. I think that's an endorsement of Jesus into the future of the church of Jesus Christ, continuing and continuing when it comes to our gathering. But let's focus for just a few moments here, a few minutes here on verse 19. Go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I want to ask you a question this morning. Who is supposed to go? Who's supposed to go? If we put this in its original context, Jesus was talking to the 11 because Judas is out of the picture. So the 12 disciples have now become the 11 disciples. Later on, there was a 12th added. They would become the apostles who would help to lead the church. Jesus, in a specific context here, is talking to those apostles. But we see earlier that the Apostle Paul was saying that it's us, you and I, that have been given the word and the message of reconciliation. We see later on that he's equipping the saints, us, for the work of the ministry. What does that mean? Who's supposed to go? Us. You and me. We're supposed to go into all the earth, into all nations, making disciples and baptizing people in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Who's supposed to go? We are supposed to go. It's us. We're the ones who are called by God to go. Now, let me ask you a question. Where are we supposed to go? Well, it says to go into all the world, to go into all nations. Now, that's where things start to get a little bit interesting, because as soon as we say that, there are some of you that are like, so am I supposed to quit my job, and am I supposed to become a missionary, am I supposed to become a traveling evangelist, am I supposed to leave my family behind, what does that look like for my life and for the world in which I live? Can I be really honest? There are some of you that the call on your life might be to go to the other side of the world. It might be to go to the other side of town. It might be to go to the other side of the country. Your calling might be to go somewhere that's unfamiliar to you, to do something that's different than what you grew up with, and God might have a fire that's stirring inside of you. And when you are in the church of Jesus Christ and you are stirred by the teachings of Scripture, what will happen is you will know that you know that you know that that's what you are called to do with your life. And we want to help you with that. We want to encourage you with that. We want to give you opportunity within the church to do that. But for a lot of us, we look at that and we say, go into all the world, go into all the nations. How am I going to do that? Am I called to be a missionary? Am I called to be an evangelist? Am I the one who's supposed to go? Well, here's what's interesting about that. There are people that are called to go to the uttermost parts of the earth, and they have a great passion and desire to go and do that. But you might be here this morning and say, I'm not so sure that I'm called to do that. Well, guess what? That's okay. Because those missionaries who are going to the other side of the world, they don't live in your neighborhood. You live in your neighborhood. They don't work where you work. You work where you work. They aren't a part of your family, but guess what? You are a part of your family. Oh, right there, some of you are like, man, I don't even want to get started with my family. (laughs) Well, guess what? God placed you in your family so that you can shine light into darkness. 
It is entirely possible that the greatest fulfillment of going might not be going to the other side of the world for you. It might be going next door and and talking to your neighbors and helping them out, lending a helping hand, showing the kindness and the mercy and the love and the grace of God to the people who live on the same street as you. Because a lot of you know what it's like to go to your workplace every day when you're surrounded by negativity. Some of you right now are like, I don't want to go to work tomorrow because I can already think of the negative people. I can already think of the challenges, the person that I work for, the people that I work with, the stuff that's going on. I'm so tired of the commute. But guess what? That can be an office that is filled with darkness that you have the opportunity to walk in and shine some light in. But somebody just might look at you and say, what is it about you that's a little bit different? Because the call on your life might not be evangelist and it might not be missionary. But guess what? You work where you work, and you live where you live, and you were placed in the family in which you are a part of, and maybe God put you there intentionally so that you can take the message of reconciliation into your world. I remember when I was 19 years old, I went on a month-long missions trip to China. And I did a six-month discipleship training school with an organization called Youth with a Mission, and I went with YWAM to China for a month, and we spent an entire month, we were staying in Hong Kong, and every single day we would cross the border into the mainland of China with backpacks filled with Bibles. Now that's illegal, okay? <laughs> like, that's smuggling Bibles into the mainland of China. That was what we were doing, because they don't have Bibles. It's illegal. Religion, religious practice as we know in America cannot at all be practiced there. And so we would go there, and I remember just being told, like, everything that we were going to do and, like, this experience that we were about to have, it was pretty wild. I was like, wow, this is going to be pretty interesting. You know, so we were up for the challenge. We were young and a little bit crazy. So we go over there, and I'll never forget the first day I had a backpack probably filled with 150 real small, skinny New Testaments. And we go across the border, and I get stopped by a guard who takes me into a back room, and I'm sitting there, like, just sweating, <laughs> and I was afraid, what's, what's about to happen? Like, I just got caught. How's this going to go? I got caught my first time I crossed. I got crossed the, caught the second time, and I didn't get caught at all for the rest of the month that I was there. And the very first day that we got caught, us, many, there was about 30 of us that were in our class that went on this trip. And I'll never forget going back there, and when those Bibles would get confiscated, we wouldn't get arrested or get in trouble. What would happen is you would actually get fined. They would take all of your Bibles, they would put them on a scale, and you get fined according to the weight. And you could go into the mainland, but then when you crossed back into Hong Kong, you could pick them back up and take them with you. They wouldn't confiscate it for good. But I'll never forget the first time I got caught. You know, they didn't hurt us, they didn't do anything to us, but they took everything that we had to be picked up later. And I remember before the guy, the guard that was standing there, the police officer essentially, before he took my bag away, I reached in and I grabbed two of those books and I put one in his hand and one in the hand of one of the other guards. And all of us had that opportunity. And I will never forget the impact that that had on my life of thinking that might be the only time that that guy ever gets to hear the message of Jesus Christ. Now, I'll never know what impact that had in a big way and in a little way. I'll never know until we get to the other side of eternity. But for a small season, we did some missionary work. Now, let me just be really honest with you, and this is not going to sound like something a pastor would say. When I got to the end of that missions trip, do you know what the biggest lesson I learned was? I did not want to be a missionary. (laughs) Because after doing it for a month, I was like, this is a grind. There were a lot of people in our class that were like, man, I was born to do this. I want to give the rest of my life to doing this. I was like, dude, I want to get on an airplane tomorrow. (laughs) 
But I love the church. I know that I'm doing what I'm called to do. And people who are called to do that can go and find all the fulfillment in the world and establish the kingdom of God in the way that he called them to do it. Guess what? In the same exact way, you have the opportunity to shine light in your house. You have an opportunity to shine light in your neighborhood, in your job, in your workplace, in your family. And if that is the furthest that God calls you to go, you might be the only one who goes there. So do it. Let's carry the message in the word of reconciliation because as a church, that's not just something we believe in. It's who we are called to be. Amen? Amen. All right. Now, we talked about some of the different ways in which some of us might go to the other side of the world. Some of us might go somewhere local. We might go somewhere across town, across the country, whatever, and God might call us to do something different and unique. But I just want to take a moment and I want to tell you very quickly some of the ways in which we have the opportunity really to go and bring the message outside of this valley in which we live. You know, every single Sunday, in a local sense, we have our community care program, which gives away food and clothing to people. No questions asked. We will give food and clothing to anybody that comes for it on a Sunday morning. Distribution happens every Sunday. And when we give away food and clothing, we're usually giving it away on a weekend to somewhere between 250 and 300 people on average. And can I just tell you something this morning? You might not have ever delivered any food. You might not have ever served in community care. But when you give to the church, that is a part of our budget. Your giving goes to take care of people's needs right here in this valley. There are people in this church that over and above your tithe, you give offerings generously every week to support community care. And I just want to say thank you because you might not see it. It might not be something that takes place right before you. But you as a church are making a difference just by simply being generous within the household of God. You're being generous and making a difference right here in this valley. Even if you don't see it, when you choose to give, when you choose to be generous, when you choose to contribute, you're distributing something to people in need right here locally. Some of you might be looking for a better opportunity to do that more specifically. Can I just encourage you, above your tithe, don't be afraid to sow into community care because it's a great place where tangibly we meet needs every single week. We as a church, not me, not us as a staff, we as a church do it together. We make a big impact right here in this valley, and it's one of the greatest opportunities that we have. Let me tell you about some of the other things that we do. You know, we have our Back to School Bash event that happens every year. This year, our plan was to give away 2,000 backpacks filled with school supplies, free haircuts, free gently used clothing to kids who are going back to school whose families would not otherwise be able to afford it. We do that outreach event every single summer. And can I tell you something? It's hot out there in August. For those of you who have been here to serve, it's a hot day. You go out there and it's 100 degrees and you're handing out clothing and you're helping people get backpacks and you're just hosting somebody and just loving on somebody. I have so much compassion for the people who come and cut hair in 100 degree weather. They got hair all over them. We have some people that are so selfless that they will actually do the lice check, the pre-check before they go to get the haircut. Do you know how difficult that is to look at a parent and say, I'm sorry, but your child is dealing with lice. That's a difficult thing, but we have people that have a servant's heart to stand there in the heat and come and do that. And I have so much joy, and I, I'm just so thrilled to see people who come and give of themselves to make that event happen. Because a lot of people are like, ah, it's going to be hot, I don't want to do that. Guess what? We've been given the message of reconciliation. That's an opportunity. It's an amazing opportunity. Many of you will contribute to that so that we can make it happen. And we're so grateful for that opportunity because every year as a church, that's something that we do. 
part of a domestic outreach that we do, okay? So expanding from locally. Our church, and we don't talk about this a whole lot, but our church is a part of a network of churches called the ARC, the Association of Related Churches. This is essentially a church planting organization, but it's an awesome network of churches who together are able to encourage each other, to help each other. Just really sometimes you can solve problems just by looking to somebody else who's been where you haven't yet or where you're at for the first time. And this church planting organization that we are a partner with, that we give to every single month, over the last 15 years has planted over 750 churches in the United States of America. You are a part of that when you give generously. This year, the ark is going to cross the threshold of 800 church plants. And the vision is to plant over 2,000 of them. Well, guess what? We're well on our way. And together, it's something that we get to be a part of. And one day when we, we stand before God on the other side of eternity, when we get there and we find out about everything that, that it was accomplished because of it, you and I are going to have a part in that. Why? Because we choose to contribute. We choose to be a part, to make ourselves available, to see to it that the word and the message of reconciliation is going forth. Such an awesome opportunity. And when we're generous, we're a part of that. You know, when it comes to global missions, outside of domestic and local and global missions, we could spend a lot of time here, but... Just to give you an idea of what we're doing around the world and our partnerships, we don't just have missionaries that we're giving money to. These are partnerships, people that we know and are in relationship with. Right now, we could go on further than this, but we have partnerships in Kenya and East Africa and Lebanon and the Philippines and Mexico and Belize and Scotland and in India and in Nepal and the Ukraine and Israel and Vietnam and Costa Rica. And we are always looking for more missions opportunities. We have more coming up in the next few months that we're going to be talking about. Matter of fact, just sneak peek, Pastor will be telling you about this in a few weeks. We have an opportunity to help take the gospel of Jesus Christ into the Middle Eastern Muslim world here in just a few weeks. God is doing some amazing things in the Middle East in a predominantly Muslim area. And we are going to have an opportunity to get involved with what God is doing over there. And every time we give, every time we choose to be generous, we are aligning our hearts and our resources with the heart of God to make a difference. We're sending out, we're being a part of the, the word and the message of reconciliation going forth. Now, when it comes to our local expression here on Sunday mornings, for many of you, what you know about the bridge is what happens here on a Sunday morning, what happens within these four walls of the church. And that's fine, but guess what? The goal is not just to have church within these four walls. The goal is to go and be the church outside of these four walls. Because here's the deal. If what we do on Sunday doesn't apply to our Monday, we'll forget about it by Tuesday. What we do on Sunday needs to impact us in such a way that we take it with us every single day of our lives outside of the four walls of this place. And it's because of that that the way in which we do our services on Sunday morning we do everything we can to make our services on a Sunday morning as outwardly focused as possible. And here's what I mean by that. You know, I, I love hymns. I love some old hymns. I like bringing them in. I like doing them on occasion. But for the most part, we do contemporary worship here at the bridge. Why? Because we're trying to reach people who aren't churched. We're trying to reach people who don't have a traditionally churched background. And when they come in this place and feel as though they can relate to what's going on, we're going to do everything we can to pursue the ones rather than just satisfy the 99. We are going to pursue the ones rather than just satisfy the 99. So therefore, we are going to be outwardly focused in our approach to worship. Sure, we're going to worship God. Our goal is to worship God in spirit and in truth, but to do it in a contemporary way. Can I tell you another thing that we do on Sunday mornings? We are very intentional about having time-sensitive services. I went to a service not too long ago that was almost two hours, and I was like, dear God in heaven, when are we going to get to go? And I'm a pastor. 
Now, I know that that sounds really rude, but here's the thing. We want to be respectful of your time. So that's why church is usually about an hour and 15 minutes long. And so when people come into this place that don't have a church background, that have never sat through a church service, we don't want to keep them here for two hours. You know why? Because we know they ain't going to come back. I know that some of you, you have a pretty traditional church background, and you're like, man, it just feels like church isn't long enough. You know what? I understand that, but I would rather leave you wanting more than you walk away saying, I ain't ever coming back. Because we are going to be outwardly focused, and we are going to do church so that people that come into this place from the outside can relate to it and say, I'm going to serve Jesus. I'm going to follow after him because Jesus isn't old and dead and dry and religious. Jesus is contemporary. Jesus meets me right where I'm at today. I'm sorry if that was harsh at all. Forgive me. Give me some grace. I'm sorry. Let me just say this also. At the end of every single one of our services, we will, we will give an opportunity at the end of every single service for people to make a decision to follow Jesus for the very first time. We will do that. We will always do that. And we will be unapologetic about it. Here's another thing you need to know. At the end of our service, when we give people the opportunity to accept Jesus, that is a critical, eternal moment. And when we give that opportunity, I know that for a lot of us, you know, Jesus told the parable of the lost sheep, there's the one lost, and then there's the 99 found. A lot of us, we're kind of a part of the 99 found, and so at that point, sometimes we begin to check out. Well, maybe I can beat the rush and go get my kids. Maybe I can beat the rush and go grab lunch. Can I tell you something? It is incredibly rude and disrespectful of us to ever dishonor that moment when people are making an eternal decision when we give them that opportunity. And so we as a church being outwardly focused, not having a holy huddle here that's all about us and nobody else, we are an outwardly focused church. And so as an outwardly focused church, can we make a decision that in that moment we are going to respect the fact that people are making a decision for Jesus that will change their eternal destination? Can we do that? Can we be those kind of people that care about their eternity? Listen, I care about my eternity, so if my eternity is important, then yours should be too. And we should be the kind of church that values that in other people. Man, we could really go on and on about services, but I, that's, that's my rant. Sorry. I hope everybody's still with me. Here's the last thing that I want to say today, the last part. As a pastor and a, a preacher, there's a passage of Scripture that for many years I've almost avoided because I feel like every time I come to church, it's a passage that everybody knows. And I'm going to reference it here in just a moment, but it's John 3.16. When I come to church, I think everybody knows John 3.16. It's so basic, you know. It's kind of the foundational, most famous passage in all of Scripture. I'll never forget I had a pastor friend a few years ago. Well, actually, many years ago, probably 15 years ago when I was a young adult. He called me up. He was like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm overseeing the young adults in our church. He said, would you come and just check out the service? Tell me what you think about it. So I came, and I sat through service, and he's, that night as he was speaking, he said, tonight we're starting a five-part series on John 3.16. And I'm like, Five parts on John 3.16, you know? Like, how difficult is it, right? And afterwards, he asked me what I thought of the service, and I jokingly said, well, you should have asked me to speak. I could have summed it up in five minutes. But all kidding aside, all joking aside, John 3.16 is probably the most famous scripture in all of the Bible. And I want to just walk you through something really quick here that's very, very important for us to understand. It says in John 3.16, for God so loved, everybody say loved, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever 
believes in him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, if you've ever heard deeper teaching in the New Testament, like with the Greek, when you see that word love, God so loved the world, it's this word agape or agapeo in the Greek. If you look at that word, it's a word that literally means a self-giving or self-sacrificing love. It's a love that cannot be expressed without giving. It's a love that cannot be expressed without sacrifice or without generosity. And what we see here is that the scripture is telling us that God loved us, the world, so much that he gave, he loved us self-sacrificingly. He gave Jesus his very best in exchange for our very worst. What's so interesting about that to me is that we would not know that part of the heart of God had he not given so much. It's self-sacrificing. It's not self-serving. It's self-sacrificing, the kind of love that, G that God gave when he gave Jesus to us at the cross. Now, Jesus in his earthly ministry, he said something very interesting. He was asked by scribes and Pharisees and Sadducees. They tried to trap Jesus, and they said, Jesus, what's the greatest and most important commandment? And Jesus says it in Matthew 22, Mark 12, and Luke 10. There's three different accounts. And we're not going to have this on the screen, but Jesus said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. Now, these religious people understood that because Jesus was quoting the book of Deuteronomy when he said that. It was the law of Moses. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So that would have satisfied their answer with what is the greatest command. But then Jesus took it a step further. Jesus said, but the second one is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. What's so interesting here is that that word love, love God, love your neighbor, both words, love, agape, agapeo, self-sacrificing, self-serving, or not self-serving, but self-sacrificing, self-giving so that other people will know the love that you have inside of you. Jesus is saying here, God showed his love by being self-giving. So we show our love to God by also being giving toward others and giving the message away. What's so cool about that is it's right on line and on parallel with what Romans chapter 5 says. The Apostle Paul in Romans 5, it says, But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. His agape, agapeo love, self-sacrificing love is how we demonstrated it to us. That's how we know the love of God. So how is it that we're supposed to show our love toward God? Not just by praying, not just by reading the Bible, not just by worshiping. All of those things are good. But the greatest way that we can also show the love that we have for God is by loving others the same way in self-sacrificing way that he loved us. Agape, agapeo love. That's the point. That's the message. We've been given this word and this message, and it's not just for us. It's for us to take and give to other people in the world in which we live. And if we can get that revelation, we'll be the church that God has called us to be. I love this because, you know, we all know John 3.16 so well, or most of us do, I would assume. I was thinking about this, and it just kind of hit me in a different way. I know you've probably heard like a goofy, silly comedy routine where somebody says, I love this so much. How much do you love it? I was thinking about this, and the picture that I saw here was, it's like John is saying here, for God loved the world so much, how much did he love it? That he gave Jesus for us. I would love it if we get to heaven one day and somebody came up to us, you and me, and said, I know that you loved God so much because you brought the message to me. I am here because of you. 
I am here because you didn't just keep it to yourself, but I know that you loved God because you chose to go out of your way, even if it was awkward, even if it was uncomfortable, even if it was difficult, and you gave me the message that changed your life, and guess what? I'm here too because you gave me the message. I can't think of a better thing that could possibly happen in eternity than for someone to come up to us and say, because you chose to bring that message of reconciliation to me, I am here too. Guess what? That's what we're called to do. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be outwardly focused with the message that God has given us. Very last thing this morning, I'm almost out of time, or I am out of time. (laughs) You know, when we talk about be outwardly focused, God also wants us to be in relationship with other believers. Can I tell you something? Your, your Christian life will be a whole lot more successful if you'll stop trying to do it just me and Jesus and bring some other Christians into your life. Because we all need to be encouraged. We all need to be stretched. We all need to be challenged. There's something that you might be going through right now in your, your like solitary walk with God that you don't have anybody telling you how to get through this and there is somebody else in this house that can walk you through it because they've been there before. And a lot of us, we won't open ourselves up to be in those relationships that God has called us to because it's uncomfortable. And it kind of makes us stretch a little bit and get out of our comfort zone. Can I tell you something? If you don't step into the relationships that God has intended for you to have, you will not experience the fullness of the life that he intended for you to have. He's got so much more for you than just trying to figure it out by yourself. Live a little. Get out there. Put your foot out. Open up your world and live in a bigger world than you live in right now. Because God is not calling you to do it alone. He's calling you to step in and do it with other people. God put these people around you so that you can do better in your walk and you can help them do better in theirs. That's why it exists. Today after this service, we have a Connect Group Expo. All of our Connect Group leaders will be out there. It's an opportunity for you to meet all of our Connect Group leaders. It's interesting because it's so much easier to go to a Connect Group when you've had the opportunity to meet the leader first. And that's why I love having our Expo the way we do on Sundays. But I just want to tell you this really quick personal testimony about Connect Groups. Back in 2007, (laughs) my connect group, I was a part of a connect group that was mainly young adults at at the church that I was kind of raised up in to go into ministry. I was a part of a church that was predominantly young adults, and I got invited to a connect group one night, or my group was going to a connect group one night, and it was an 80s skate night, okay? Man, it was going to be a fun night. Now I would probably never go to an 80s skate night, but I did then. And I got there, and, you know, I knew my friends, my community from church, But I looked over and I saw this beautiful young woman. (laughs) Later on I met her. We actually went and hung out later that night. We went on a few dates. We had some ups and downs, this and that. But today she's my wife. And you know where I met her? I met her at Connect Group. I'm not saying that if you go to a Connect Group. (laughs) But I might be saying that if you go to a Connect Group. Can I tell you something? That connect group simply opened the door and initiated that opportunity. And you know what? Like She's my partner in life. I met her because of church and because I chose to be a part of a greater community and a smaller group of community outside of Sunday. That happened because of connect groups. When we came to the bridge six years ago, last Sunday on September 1st was the sixth year anniversary that we've been here at the church. And six years ago when we came to the bridge, my wife and I, we basically knew nobody here. And we had left a church That was our whole world. And we left all of our friends behind, and we moved out here 
And today, most of the great relationships that we have built in this church have come through our connect group. And connect groups have meant so much to us because what we discovered was, even though it was a little bit difficult, sometimes uncomfortable, and often challenging, if we were willing to take that step of faith, God had a circle of people that he wanted to bring around us and he wanted us to step into so that we could encourage them, so that they could encourage us, and so that we could be better together. That's why connect groups exist. Can I tell you something? We don't have connect groups to give you one more thing to do. We don't have connect groups because we need to go and brag about how many groups we have or how many people are in them. That wouldn't be good enough reason to have them. We have, a, we have connect groups because we want everybody to walk out their faith within the context of relationship because spiritual growth happens best within the context of relationship and God did not call you to do it alone. So I want to encourage you with that today. God has given you the message of reconciliation. He has given me the message of reconciliation. He has called us to not just be inwardly focused on our own faith, but to be outwardly focused so that we can grow together. Amen. Can we give Jesus a big hand this morning? I want to ask you if you would just bow your head with me for a moment. I told you earlier that in every single service, we give people the opportunity to say yes to Jesus, even if it's for the very first time. Last Sunday, we had 28 people make decisions to follow Jesus for the very first time or recommit their life. In second service, it was 18 people in just that one service. Can I tell you something? That's a good enough reason for us to gather on Sunday mornings. If you're here today and you have never made a decision to follow Jesus, we want to give you that opportunity right now. You might be here today and you feel unworthy of a relationship with God. You might feel as though you haven't done anything to earn it. Well, guess what? None of us have. But God expressed his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, he sent Jesus, agape love, self-sacrificing love for us so that we could know him. Maybe you've never given God an opportunity in your life. Maybe you've never given him a chance to come in and make a difference. Can I just tell you this morning that Jesus died for that opportunity to know you and to walk with you in this life and into eternity. We're going to pray a prayer here in just a moment. If you've never done that before, it's so easy. All you have to do is mean it with everything inside of you and repeat these words right out loud. And Scripture says that you will begin this walk of salvation and following Jesus. It's not the end of the journey. It's just the beginning. I want to give you that opportunity right now. We're going to pray this prayer right out loud. And if you need to make a decision to follow Jesus today, can I just invite you to repeat these words after me and say, Jesus, thank you for going to the cross for me. Today I choose to follow you. I believe you died for me. I believe that you were raised again so that I could have life now and forevermore. I want to walk with you. I want to learn your ways. I want to know you all the days of my life. So today I'm making this decision to follow you from here on. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, if you're here this morning and you made that decision for the first time or you made a decision to recommit your life to Jesus, it's not the end of the journey. It's just the beginning, and we want to help you 
walk it out. We have a free book that we want to give you. It's a simple tool to help you start your journey right after this service. It's a book called The Next Seven Days. There's two different ways that you can get it. Right down here at the front of the platform, we'll have prayer teams that are here to give it to you. We don't need anything from you, but if you made a decision to follow Jesus, just walk up and let them know, today I made that decision. I want to get the book. We would love to give it to you. If you need to go quickly at the end of service, just stop by the next seven days desk. It's between the glass doors. Let them know you made a decision. You want to get the book. We'll give it to you. We don't need anything from you, but we're happy to help and get you started in this journey. Thank you so much for doing that. Can we put our hands together this morning and welcome some people into the family of God?